Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. of you guys know what an oxymoron is? You know what those are, right? Those are two words that don't really fit together, but we use those. Things that really, if you think about it, don't make a lot of sense, but uh, we use them all the time. Things like pretty ugly, civil war, jumbo shrimp. They just don't fit together. How about Microsoft works? Like that doesn't go together, right? Um, Gamecock football. I don't know. They're actually doing better. How about this is a better one? Clemson offense. Like, that doesn't exist, right? That's, that doesn't go together. Um, short sermon. I'm not going to hear one of those probably for a long time around here. But we have these words that we use all the time together that don't fit. But let me throw one out at you that I think is actually the most classic of all. Oxymoron. Here it is. Non-serving Christian. It's an oxymoron. Non-serving Christian is an oxymoron because we're called to serve because we are to model our lives after Jesus, and that's what he was about. You know, what I love about Jesus, when he, when he would teach, Jesus taught in a way that people listened because he was so, it was so counterculture. Everything he said was, was presented in a way that just defied conventional wisdom. He would say things that people would just scratch their head and say, it, you gotta be kidding, he just said that? Because his method was basically taking what normally was heard and he would just flip it over. It was just totally an upside down method of teaching. Let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 5, he said this. He said, you have heard the law says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. I mean, think about that. If you're a follower of Jesus, most of us, we realize that that's what the Bible says. But that's hard to do. Love your enemies? Are you kidding me? Anybody that says being Christian is easy has never read verses like that, right? But that's what Jesus said we're to do. The law said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemy. Here's another one, Matthew 16. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. That's, that's counterculture, right? Because that's not what mo- most of us think. We're thinking, man, I just got to try and make the best of this life as I possibly can. And Jesus said, let go of it. Lo- if you lose your life for my sake, you'll actually be gaining it. You have a better life than you ever imagined. When it came to leadership, when it came to what, the definition of greatness, this is where Jesus really threw some things out that most of us have a hard time with our culture to understand. Jesus basically said the way up is down. Here's, here's what I'm talking about. He said this in Matthew chapter 20. He said, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, look, the bottom line is this that we, if you really want to lead, if you really want to be great in the eyes of God, what you need to become is a servant. So for the next several weeks, the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be a servant, what it means to serve others and to serve God. 
And I think what you're going to find is some of the teachings that we're going to be seeing from the Bible are so counterculture. Because in our society, let's just face it, what, what people define as a great life is when I've got people serving me. That's when I know I've arrived, when I can, I've got servants and butlers and chauffeurs, and I've got people that actually serve me. But what God says is, no, you know what a sign of greatness is when you begin to serve others? Right now, all the rage is people talking about living your best life now. There are books about it. There's all sorts of websites that tell you how you can have your best life now. But I want to tell you something. It is possible to live your best life now, but it's not going to look like probably what you think it should look like. It's not going to be what most authors are writing about. It's not going to be what most websites are, are telling you that you need to get to have your best life now. According to scripture, you can live a better life now because there's a better way of living and it's called through serving, which again, on the surface, doesn't sound like a, a very uh, attractive thing, right? Most of us are going, well, if that's what it means to be great, maybe I won't be great. No, I'm telling you, it's a better way to live. And I'm going to show you today something. Uh, uh, I'm gonna, here's how I'm going to approach it today. I'm going to take this idea that let, let's just use this as an example. If I am an employer and I'm looking to hire an employee or, or multiple employees, I'm going to have some, some attributes that I'm looking for. I'm going to have some things that in my mind need to be on their resume. Now, the good thing when it comes to serving God is you don't have to have a good resume. But there are some things that God is looking for in the heart and the mind of a servant. And I want to give you those three things today as we kick off this series called A Better Way of Living. All right, so A Better Way to Live. So here it is. The first sign that or first thing that God is looking for in a servant is the right attitude. God is looking for the right attitude. You might say, well, what is the right attitude? What kind of attitude is God looking for? Well, here's what Jesus said. He said, your attitude must be like my own. For I, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve. Now, just let that sink in for a second. This is Jesus speaking, right? This is not just some ordinary Joe, right? This is Jesus. And he's saying, look, here's what you need to do. You need to learn to serve others. You have to have the right attitude, the same attitude that I have. My attitude was I, the Messiah, the Son of Man, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. I just let, let it sink in. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the creator. He is everything. And yet Jesus said, here's my attitude. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to humble myself in order to serve others. And you need to have the same kind of attitude if you call on me as your savior. That's our attitude. And that's hard to do because our attitude generally is say, wait a second. I don't want to humble myself to that point. And what we have to do is remove our ego out of the equation in order to become a servant. Here's what it says in, in Philippians. It says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant. Now, that key phrase there is he emptied himself. That this is Jesus. He, again, he is right now on the throne, right, in heavens. And right now, the, the heavenly hosts are serving him. That's what they do, 24-7, 365. They are serving him. They're worshiping him. And Jesus leaves all of that to come to this earth. He humbled himself. He emptied himself. And he came to this earth in humility to eventually not just live a life 
among us, but eventually would die for the sins of the world. That is humility. That is servanthood. And Jesus said that we have to have that same attitude as him. Now, when it comes to serving, I want you to think of serving like this. I want you to think of serving and servanthood like you would worship. See, I think some of us think of, of serving as like, that's something I do on Sunday morning. I come and I, I, mean, I have a role to, to serve somewhere at church. I serve in that capacity and then I leave and then I go about my life. That's, think about it in terms of worship. In worship, this is a worship service. We come and we worship for an hour together corporately. But this is not what worship is. It's just part of worship. Worship is 24-7, 365. It's an opportunity. Anywhere you are, anything you're doing is an opportunity to worship. That's how servanthood should be. It's not just an hour here or an hour there. It's my lifestyle. It's what I'm doing. It's my attitude is that I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to be walk in humility so that when I see a need anywhere with anyone that I can step into that because that's what servants do. They look for opportunities because they have the right kind of attitudes. And I, I, I think sometimes... For some of us, when it comes to, to serving, we, we need to really adjust our attitudes. One of my all-time favorite baseball players, and I mentioned him a, a few weeks ago in a message, his name uh, Pete Rose. Pete Rose had a nickname, was Charlie Hustle. And Pete Rose, although he, he's not allowed to go into the Hall of Fame because of some make, mistakes he's made, he was one of the greatest ball players of all times. But what's interesting about Pete Rose is that he wasn't the most talented. He wasn't the most naturally gifted. He wasn't the strongest, the fastest, any of those things. But what he lacked in those areas, he made up with his attitude. That's why they gave him the name Charlie Hustle. He always hustled every play, never took a play off. That was his attitude. And I'm telling you, for us as servants, we have to adopt the same kind of attitude that Jesus had. And that was, I'm willing to do whatever I'm doing. No matter what, how busy I may be, I need to step into those moments when there are opportunities for, for me to serve other people. And I know for a lot of us, again, in, in America especially, we, we look at a servant as someone who's, you know, less than. Like, I don't want to be a servant. I want people to serve me. That's a sign of, that's a status sign. And Jesus said, you need to forget all that. Let's flip it upside down. If you want to be great, you learn to serve. If you, if you want to really impress God, that's how you do it. You, you serve. You serve others. I think when it comes to church, let's kind of break this down even a little bit more when it comes to serving. Let's not just look at serving as a church thing. Let's look at it as an opportunity outside the walls and inside the walls. First of all, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to be serving within the church body, right? And you need to be serving outside the church when you have opportunities. But let's talk about inside the church for just a second. And that is, I think a lot of people, they start off with the right kind of attitude. They're, they're here to serve, man. I'm, I'm here to serve. And so they, they, they start off really good, but maybe because they're, they're getting burned out or maybe they're in the wrong area of serving or whatever it is, after a few months, their attitude changes. They're no longer glad to be doing it. There's no longer joy in serving. It becomes kind of work. It's a drudgery. And they don't look forward to it anymore. And they show up, but they don't have the right kind of attitude any longer. And it, it reflects. It reflects on the people that they're supposed to be serving because they pick up on it. It reflects on everything about the church because, you know, they got a lousy attitude. So, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more. And so what you hear people, instead of saying, man, um, I, I, I get to serve, that should be the attitude, I get to serve, they go, I have to serve. Like, I gotta do this. 
They're, they're, I mean, somebody's counting on me. If I, if I didn't have to do it, I wouldn't be doing it. I mean, I hate this. And they used to love it. Something shifted, and it's all about their attitude. They no longer love it. it, it I hear people like this. You, you might have seen somebody like this, like in, in, the, in the concourse, you know, between services, you, you know, they, they, they look real sad. And you're, Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I just, I got I to gotta work in the nursery today. Like, I'm going to work. In, and they walk down to the nursery like the condemned man going down to, to the gas chamber. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, this is... That's the wrong kind of attitude. Those kids don't need that attitude in there, right? They're there, to, they're there to learn about Jesus. They want somebody that's really glad to be there. Here's what the Bible says the kind of attitude we need to have. Psalm 100 says this, serve the Lord with, say it together, gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Like, I can't believe that God has chosen me to be able to serve him. He doesn't need me. Like, he doesn't need me. I, I, I don't have anything really to offer, but Man, I am thankful that I get to serve God. That's the kind of attitude. So he looks for attitude, but number two, he looks for availability. He looks for availability. You've probably heard this before. God is not interested in your ability. He's interested in your availability. Because availability says, hey, I'll, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I'm available. Just like we sang a minute ago, I'm available. Whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. Now, that's the great kind of attitude. And we have people like that all the time around here that, says, that say, man, I am just so thankful that God has saved me and, and will, is willing to use me in spite of all my past mistakes. Just put me in wherever you need me. And I'm just going to tell you this. That's not how we do it. It's not about us trying to fill a hole. Like we got a gap in the schedule. We just need somebody. We need a warm body. That's not how we do it. If, yes, having the attitude that says, I'm available is great, but we need to get you in your sweet spot. We need to get you in that area where you're extremely passionate about it. Because if, you don't, if you're not passionate about it and really are gifted to do it, then you're going to be one of those people that have the bad attitudes later because you're like, oh man, I don't really like this. But we can get you in your sweet spot with the way that God created you to serve, the way he wired you up just uniquely to serve in a particular area, no matter what you, your giftings are, and you figure that out, and we'll help you do it. When you get in that place, all of a sudden it's like even better. Like the, it helps have a good to have a. Uh, it helps having a good attitude by serving in an area that I love to serve in. When we when when I first started going to church, I, I didn't go to church growing up. So when I started going to church is when I was in my 20s. So I'm 23. I just gave my life to Jesus, and the church that we were going to didn't do it like we do it. They would basically look to fill gaps. So every year they would look where the gaps were and they would send a little card. They had a committee that was responsible to kind of get people to serve. And, um, and we, we, were, we were new blood. You know, here was Liz and I came in there. They didn't know us. We didn't know them. But hey, these are new people. They're not serving anywhere. So they wanted us to sign up for everything. So they had a card and they send out the card. And I remember when I looked at it, I was very discouraged because when I read it, everything on there, they were things that I couldn't do. It said, uh, teach a Sunday school. I'm like, I can't do it. I don't even have a Bible. How am I going to teach it? I've never read the Bible. I can read. I can't teach. I can lead this, do this. I couldn't do it. I'm like, man, I guess there's no place for me. I flipped it over and I'm looking around. I finally see something. I'm like, okay, I, I can do this. There's a box center that says photography. I don't even know what that means for a church. Photography, 
I got a camera. I'm a lousy photographer, by the way. I'm the guy that's got the finger in the picture every time. But I, got, I, wanna, I wanna serve. I mean, like I want to do something. I was so excited because I'm, I'm, man, Jesus saved me. I wanna, I wanna serve. So I'm thinking, okay, I'll take pictures. I don't know where or when, I, I, I've got a camera, I'm, I'm in. Then I look around, recreation. What does the church do for recreation? I have no idea, but I like sports. Check, checked off the box. I served a couple times doing different things. It was like, okay, that was great. But the next year or two, started getting more opportunities. Wanted to get, I wanted to get a little more into the deep end a little bit. So, so there were some other things that came up. And, and so there was a four and five-year-old kids class. They said, we need somebody to help uh, lead a Sunday school. So my wife and I, we're going to do this. We're, we're tag teaming. Okay, we're going to do this together. And we went the first week, and that worked out good. The second week, we went in there, and I was, my wife wasn't there yet. I went in there first, and, and I got there, and there was this, all the kids are in there already. And there was a table sitting there, big table, and one of the girls had taken a chair and put it up on top of the table, and she was sitting in the chair. It was really a dangerous situation. She's like four years old. And I, I can't remember, I think her name, her name was April. But anyways, I, so I said, I, I came in and I said, April, uh, you, you know, this is dangerous. Let's, let's take that chair down and, you know, let's do it. She, she just went like this. I mean, she gave me that like, I'm not budget. So I said, uh, look, you need to, you know, get that chair down. I don't want you to get hurt and, you know, whatever. She just, you know, we're in a standoff. She isn't moving. I don't know what to do. All right, so I'm, I'm gonna escalate things a little bit. I was like, hey, you need to get that chair down. Like there, she's, make me, you know, basically make me. So that didn't work. I said, all right, if you get down, I'll give you a donut. Or I don't hear what I said. She's like, no, she wasn't moving. So I'm, here we are, and she's looking at me, and I'm looking at her. I have no clue what to do. My wife walks in. My wife says, April, take that chair, get down. She goes down. She gets straight down, takes the chair down. And I go, I said the same thing five different ways to her. She didn't even budge. You said one time she gets down. I'm like, what is it? And it dawned on me later what this what, what was. Is that I, I have zero gifting working with children area, and my wife has like 100% gifting in children's areas. Which is why, precisely why, that was my first and last day serving in children's ministry. <laughs> and that's why my wife is like the most awesome children's person ever, because she is totally gifted at that, right? <laughs> because she has the right attitude and right availability. And, and here's the thing, she has, is gifted. Because this is what I'm talking about. When you have that area, and, and by the way, you have an area. Like you may not know what it is. And you may not even know how a church can use what you're good at. But when God created you, he put certain giftings in you, certain abilities, certain aptitudes. And then when he saved you, he gave you spiritual gifts, these things uniquely given to serve God and others. And he gives you passions, things that you love to do. And he mixes it all up and says, this is who you are. And the, and the thing about, the, which is why I say this, this is a better way to live. When you figure that out, and by the way, we'll help you, but when you figure that out and you're serving God in the way that he made you, it is truly a better way to live because you're serving God in the way that he made you to serve. And it's like, it all clicks. So you, here's, what we, here's our commitment as a church staff is that we're here to help you. You may say, I don't know how to teach anything. Fine, I didn't either. 
You may say, well, all I mean, I don't know. All I can do is I, I'm, I'm good with my hands. I can, I'm mechanical. Great. You know, there are opportunities to do it. We build stages. There's all kinds of technical things. You may good, be good with computers. You may be behind the scenes kind of person who doesn't want, you know, you don't need any hoopla. You just want to do your thing. We got places for you. You may be good at data entry. We got places for you. You may be a friendly person. We got places for you. You may be a grouch. Well, we don't have a lot of places for grouches, but you know what I'm saying. But you may be a person who is a good singer or, or with instruments or with teenagers or children. Whatever it is, that's where we need to get you, and we will help you. So if you're thinking, I think I'd like to serve, but I don't know how, I don't know where, stop by the Connection Center. See Pastor Blaine on your connection card. Just say, I want to serve. Don't know where or whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll get you to write. We will help you because when you figure that out, your church experience and life experience is going to go up exponentially. I can't explain it. All I know is that there's some, something special happens when you're serving, when you get in that right place. And when you, when you do that, like when I talk about children's ministry, ministry with my wife, she serves there. She is so passionate about it. If you have kids in our children's ministry and under her leadership or the other leadership she's got there and the, and the people are volunteering, let me tell you something. They're there to help those kids find and follow Jesus. And those kids do, man. Every single week, we got kids giving their life to Jesus. We, you see it every time we do the baptisms, all the kids. You know why? Because that's what's going on in there. This isn't babysitting. These are people passionately helping kids find and follow Jesus. And you have certain areas that you're going to be just as good at. You're going to be so amped up to do it. And that's where we want to help you do it. So let's look at this. Part of being available is just saying, you know what, I know my schedule's busy, I know this is going on and all that, but carving out time. We have over 700 people that serve on a regular basis here at Foothills. That's a lot of people. And coming up in a couple of weeks, by the way, when, when we, that's inside the church, but we got a lot of stuff that we do outside the walls of this church all the time. Pastor Bruce is our outreach pastor. They got, they got things, projects going all the time. But let me tell you, you heard a little bit about it. Coming up in, on October 9th, which is a Saturday from 9 to noon, we have our Project Reach. This is a, this is a whole church, all skate, 100% participation, going in our community. We have, I think, between 40 and 60 projects. We're going to be serving at different schools and government agencies and, and helping with cleaning up roads. and You name it, we got projects. Everybody's going to get a t-shirt. We're going to be out there. We're going to flood the area. And there's going to be hopefully over a thousand of us out there serving our community from nine to noon. And it's going to be awesome. And so that may be for you the first time you serve, but that'll hopefully won't be the last time you serve. We got lots of opportunities. Anyways, we have over 700 people who, by the way, don't have extra time to serve. So if you're saying, well, I just don't have the time that everybody else has, apparently, because I don't have time to serve. No, they don't have the time either. They make the time. It's just that their priorities are different. That's all. They, they, make the, they, they know that this is, this is important to God, it's important to them, and it's, it's how God that wired them. And they're saying, I'm going to make time to do what's, what God's called me to do, because a non-working Christian is an oxymoron. Non-serving Christian is an oxymoron. So I need to serve. So let me give you a couple of verses. This is, this is Jesus. It says, two blind men were sitting by the roadside when they heard that Jesus was going by, and they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. 
So Jesus is on his way to do something, right? It says he's going by. They hear him going by, these blind men, and they say, Jesus, we need some help. Jesus is available. It's what you love about Jesus. He's always busy, but he's never too busy. He, he had his earthly ministry was three years long, from 30, age 30 to age 33 when he went to the cross. He had a lot to do. He was busier than you and me put together, right? He, he, there was not, everything he did was calculated. But when he was on his way to go to the next place, if there was an opportunity to, be, to serve someone, that's what he did. He served. Some of you know the story of the Good Samaritan. And the story of the Good Samaritan is, is, a, is a parable that Jesus told. And in this parable, it's, a parable is just a, a up, made-up story that Jesus would use to illustrate a, perp, a, a point. And so he talks about uh, this, the Good Samaritan is a story about a guy who is traveling and he gets mugged and robbed and beaten and left for dead. And he's laying there, and um, as he's laying there, a, a priest comes by, a Jewish priest comes by, a rabbi comes by, and sees the guy but goes to the other side of the road. Basically, I don't want to get my hands dirty, I don't want to get involved in this thing, and he moves on. Then the next guy comes by as a temple assistant. He sees the guy in the ditch, but he doesn't want to get involved, and he's going on his way. Both of them are on their way to perform religious duties, right? They have somewhere to go to do something religious, but they miss an opportunity to serve of this guy. Well, the third guy that comes by is a Samaritan, and he is a guy who gets involved, gets in the ditch, helps the man, mends his wounds, takes him into town, does what he needs to do to help the guy. All of them were busy, all of them on their way to go somewhere, but only one of them stopped. Two of them who should have known better, the religious leaders, but they were too busy to, to get involved in this guy's life. And, and on this, this morning, when I was looking over my notes and I was praying about it, I made a note. I made two notes that I wanted to share because this is, I, I really felt like this was good. Serving, listen about this, serving is less about the service I'm performing and more about the person I'm becoming. I want you to think about that. Serving is less about the service I'm performing and more about the person I'm becoming. See, I think it's all, for a lot of us, we don't think of it that way. We think of it as just like, I've just got to get out there and do something. And God says, no, it's about who you're becoming. You're becoming more like Jesus when you serve. And then I wrote this notice too. It's less about performing a religious duty or checking off a box. It's more about being a good neighbor. Think about that. Those guys were on their way to check off religious box. We're, we're priests. We work at the temple. We got stuff to do. We don't have time for this guy in the ditch. We, you know, I, I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't want to be ceremonially unclean. I got to go to the temple. And so I'm not going to get involved. I'll go to the other side of the street, even though there's a need right there. And I'm going to go do my religious duty. I'm going to check off my box. And then this other guy comes by, the Samaritan, and he sees the need and he gets involved because he's becoming more like what we need to become. See, there's a difference. And what I'm saying is that we need to have the right kind of attitude and we need to always make ourselves available. When there's a need, we need to, make, we need to meet, meet the need because here's what the Bible says. It says, if you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow, then I'll help you. Serving is never gonna be convenient. If you're waiting for it to get convenient on your schedule, you'll never serve. You just won't because you're too busy. I'm too busy. What I have to do is I just got to say, all right, here's what I'm planning to do today, God, but if you've got any detours for me, if you've got any people in the ditch that I need to step into and become a neighbor to, 
That's what I need to do. That is now the priority because I'm a servant. I have the same attitude as Christ. And if Jesus was on his way to, to do some things that were very important and he saw these guys that had a need and he met the need, I need to do the same thing. And I know, again, I know that we all got all the reasons why that, that won't work, but it, if, if we do this, we'll live a better life now than we've ever lived. Let me give you one more verse and then we're gonna move on to the last requirement. And this is the context is Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's just been informed by an angel that she's gonna be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. She's gonna carry the Christ child. Here's what she said. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled and the angel left her. In other words, she said, I'm all in. It doesn't matter. I, you know, I had my life planned out, but if you've got a detour for me, God, and this is the way you want me to do it, I'm available. I'm, 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 I'm the Lord's servant. That's, that's my attitude. It, it, whatever you need me to do, God, that's what I'll do. Is that the attitude you've got? Are you that available? Let me give you the third thing. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. This is the third requirement. If God was putting out a, 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 a kind of a resume, what he's looking for in your resume, faithfulness would be probably at the number one. Because faithfulness is how God grades our, our serving. He doesn't grade your performance. He grades on whether or not you're faithful. That, that's, how he, that's how he grades. So, so let, me, let me show you what I mean. Let me give you a verse. 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you as a good manager must use the gift that God has given you to serve others. The gift, the, the, the abilities that you have. You're a manager. When God made you and created you, he said, this is what I'm giving you. And what God says anytime he puts something in your possession that's his, because you're his, right? And he gives you these abilities. And he expects you to use them for him and to uh, serve others. And he says, this is a requirement of a good steward, that you manage God's resources well. That's what you have to do. So he's given you these gifts, and he's given you these abilities, and he's saying, look, you need to be a good steward or a manager. There's another parable called the parable of the talents. Some of you know that story. It's that Jesus tells a story about this man who had three servants, and he said, I'm going out of town, and I'm going to leave my resources with you, and when I come back, I'm going to get them. And he gives the guy, one guy, he says, here, here's five talents, and one in New Living Translation says, here's five bags of silver. To another, he said, here's two bags of silver. And to another, he said, here's one bag of silver. I'm going on my trip. I'll be back. Leaves on his trip, comes back. When he comes back, he says to the guy who gave, he gave five to, he says, all right, I'm back. Where's my stuff? The guy says, well, here's the five you gave me, and here's another five. I invested it. Here you go. You got 10. He says, here's his response. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Goes to the second guy who had two bags of silver. He says, all right, I'm back. He says, okay, here's the two you gave me. Here's another two. I invested it. I doubled your money. He says exactly the same thing. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Because that's how he grades it, faithfulness. He goes to the third guy. Says, hey, guy, with the one bag of silver, you got the, what'd you do? He said, well, I knew that you were a very harsh man, so I didn't want to risk too much. I hid the money, but here it is. Here's your one. That's all I got. And the master says, you wicked servant. You knew that I was going to come back and call you into account. And yet you did nothing with it. You played it safe. And he casts him out. He takes the one bag of silver, goes, gives it to the guy who had 
who had 10 because he knew that this guy knew what to do with it. And he said, you know, I'm going to give you more responsibility. And this is the point. When God has given you those gifts, those abilities, those talents, all the resources that you have, here's what God says. They're not for you. God says they're for me. And I'm going to call you into account and you need to be responsible for what I gave you. You need to be serving me and serving others with those abilities that I gave you. That's what faithfulness is about. Here's, the, here's what it says in, in 1 Corinthians 4.2. Now, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. You're a manager of what God's given you. And you have to be faithful. There's responsibility. Matthew 25, here's the way it says. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You know, I'm glad that God doesn't base it only on the performance part of this thing. Like, he, he didn't say to the guy who had five, he said, man, you did 10. You're better than the guy that I gave to, even though he doubled it. He just said the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You don't have any way of knowing how many talents or abilities you've been given. Like, I don't know. Some, sometimes I, I listen to some preachers, and I hear them, I go, man, I wish I could preach like that. Like, I can't even believe anybody has that ability. They're so good. And I realize, look, that's, that's, that's not up to me. God didn't, I'm, I don't, may not have that, but what I have, I need to be responsible for. Like, I, if I've got two talents or one talent or five, I've, I've, my only responsibility to God is to, is to be as faithful as I possibly can with what he's given me and leave the outcome to him anyways. So you may be a five. Like, I, I, sometimes I, I, I see people back here that are playing an instrument or singing. I'm going, man, I wish I could do that. Well, God didn't give me that. He gave me what I got. I got I'm not responsible for them. I'm not responsible for people in children's ministry or student ministry. Or, I'm responsible for me, what, what God's called me to do, with what he's gifted me to do. And the same is, is true for you. So let me ask you the question. How are you doing with what God's given you? Are you using your giftedness and your, your passions and your abilities for the glory of God? Are you maximizing those? Because one day you'll have to give an account. That's why those parables are in there to tell us those kind of things. Like God's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And if you squander it, he ain't going to be happy. And you don't know, you, maybe you're one, maybe you're five, or maybe you're two, who knows? It doesn't matter. Just be faithful. So are you faithful with what God's giving? How about this one? How's your attitude? Is your attitude like Jesus? That he came to serve, not to be served? How about your availability? Are you making time to serve God? Are you carving time out when there's an opportunity to serve someone? This, this is not easy stuff. I know that because human nature says, I don't want to serve. Why would I want to serve? I want somebody to serve me. I want to kick my feet up and let somebody serve me. But that's not the right kind of attitude. Jesus said, let's just flip that upside down. And let me show you how God measures greatness. The way up is down. When you drape the towel over your arm and you serve somebody else, that's when you know you're becoming more Christ-like. So here's the, here's, the, here's the homework assignment, okay? 
The homework assignment is that I'm going to challenge each of us this week to serve somebody. Maybe your spouse, maybe your kids, maybe your parents, maybe a coworker, maybe a neighbor, maybe your boss, maybe an employee, but you're going to serve somebody who doesn't expect it. They didn't ask for it. You're just going to take the initiative and serve them. And that's going to probably bring you out of your comfort zone. And they may say, why are you doing this? And you just tell them because I want, I'm trying to be more like Jesus. I wanted to serve you. And maybe even in some of those opportunities, we'll create opportunities for us to share the gospel of why you're serving. Guys, anybody that says Christianity is easy has never thought about this kind of stuff. This is what it means because one of the greatest oxymorons is a non-serving Christian. It cannot even be. It doesn't work that way. Jesus said you have to do it this way. You have to serve. So I'm going to pray. And it will give us a chance to do business with God because this is one of those ones that I know is going to, you know, for a lot of us are thinking, well, what do I do next? What do I do? I, I, there are next steps. Just let us know you want, you're looking to get plugged in some way and we'll help you. God, thank you that we get to serve. Now we have to, we get to. Like in the big scheme of things, God, that you are so gracious that you said, I'm going to include them into this thing. We don't have to sit on the bench. We can get on the field and we get to play. And so God, I pray that all of us would see it that way, that we realize that true joy comes when we give ourselves away, when we serve someone else, when we use the gifts and abilities that you create us with. That's when life and that's when church goes exponentially to the best, highest level possible. So I pray, God, for those maybe who have never taken that step. They were like me that were on the sidelines that didn't even know if they had anything to offer. And maybe today is just enough of them to say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna at least take some steps. Lord, I'm praying for those people who have been serving maybe for a long time and their attitude is now starting to, it's, it's not very good anymore. It's become a job. It's become work. It's, they, they've lost the joy and I'm praying that that would be renewed, that they would realize why they do it, not just the, the function of what they're doing, but why they're doing it and who they're doing it for. And finally, God, I thank you that you set the example by sending your son, Jesus, who as a sign of love and servanthood went to a cross and died for sinful mankind so that we can have a right relationship with our God. And God, I pray that if there are people in this room or people watching online who have never committed their lives to you, that today would be the day that they say yes. And if that is you today, maybe just offer a prayer like this is your commitment to Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. I ask you to forgive my sins, to come into my life and change me from the inside out. I claim you as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. God, I pray that we would see continued revival in our church. And as we hit the community out on October 9th, that there would be a buzz in this community, not about Foothills and not about us individually, but about you and what you're doing. May you be glorified in us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.